Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. We've got a great show on tap for you guys tonight. A lot of quarterbacks talk. If you are a fan of quarterbacks as I am, then this is your show. We're going to talk some Lamar Jackson. Uh, I've sort of come to this realization after this very long sort of battle between the two sides, between Lamar Jackson, who is his own agent, he's representing himself, and the Baltimore Ravens, that, well... I'll save it for my second segment because I, I I think it's I think it's about over. I'll get to that later in the show. And by the way, I think it'll be better for both sides. Derek Carr, the Jets. I I touched on this a little bit yesterday, but I want to go more in depth into this today. Derek Carr was uh, reportedly, according to ESPN, told by the Jets, "Hey, you could be a future first ballot Hall of Famer should you come to New York." Not necessarily going to hit on that point individually, but why I think Derek Carr to the Jets makes absolute perfect sense. I'll get to that, as well as the Lakers dismantling my Golden State Warriors last night. I will talk Warriors, but I feel like that was a, a big moment for the Lakers. And I'll explain why for two reasons. Two big reasons that last night's win over the Warriors was huge for the Lakers, and it's not just because they beat the reigning defending NBA champions. And at the end of today's show... Uh, Apparently, the Dallas Cowboys, according to reports from Sports Illustrated, are intrigued by C.J. Stroud to possibly replace Dak Prescott. I am here to tell you that will be a massive mistake at the end of today's show. But first, let's start with the very interesting bombshell report that came out from The Athletic this morning. From uh, Who wrote this piece? Okay, this is just from The Athletic staff. But they wrote that Russell Wilson asked for Pete Carroll and John Schneider, the Seattle Seahawks general manager, to be fired in 2021 before he was traded a year later. Now, for the record, Russell has denied this. Uh, Russell Wilson, if we have the, the, the tweet here. Okay, Russell said, I love Pete, and he was a father figure to me, and John believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. I always, I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. So Russell's denied it, and look, at this point, it's kind of a, this person said something, this person said something, we're just going to have to wait for it to play out. 
But what I think is very fascinating about the whole situation from top to bottom, do I necessarily believe that Russell said this explicitly? As this athletic article points out, not necessarily, but as the old saying goes, actions speak louder than words. And I know what Russell Wilson's actions told me and told everybody was that after the 2020 season, remember this? Russell's at Super Bowl 55. He just won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award the night prior. He's in the box in Tampa with his wife, Sierra. They're sitting next to Commissioner Roger Goodell watching Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl title. Remember they showed that one look? The CBS cameras showed that one look at Russell Wilson, and he looked absolutely miserable, as if the Super Bowl was the last place on planet Earth that he wanted to be. And then he does that interview days later with Dan Patrick, the great Dan Patrick. And he talks about how he he wants more of a voice in the Seahawks organization. He wants there to be more of an emphasis on what he wants to do as opposed to what Pete Carroll wants to do, as opposed to what the offensive coordinator wants to do. What I also know is that Russell Wilson's agent, around that time, as Russell is saying, again, actions speak louder than words, that, no, I, 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 I'm great with Seattle, love Seattle, want to stay in Seattle. By the way, uh, my agent put out these five teams that I wouldn't care to be traded to. Remember the Raiders were on that list? The Chicago Bears, I remember, were there. Plenty of teams that were out there as potential destinations for one Russell Wilson. And so you have that. And again, this is this is not a source saying that Russell's agent put the, put it out. Russell's agent explicitly put out the five teams, said, hey, Russell would love to be traded here if he were traded. Well, why is that even the question if you want to stay in Seattle long-term? Again, talking out of both sides of their mouths. So I think it's absolutely possible. And again, the article goes on to say, Wilson was convinced that Carol and Schneider were inhibiting his quest to win additional Super Bowls and individual awards, according to league sources who spoke to The Athletic. Uh, the quarterback had a preferred replacement in mind, Sean Payton, who had recently stepped down from the New Orleans Saints. So, and, you know, ironically enough, they're together. I, I think it's very fascinating that this story comes out now that Sean Payton is the head coach of the Denver Broncos. I just, listen, when stuff gets leaked, there's a... There's not just a reason it gets leaked, but there's a very specific, there's a reason it gets it gets leaked at certain times. Like Sean Payton's been the Broncos coach for a month. This may be, you know, sort of the, the, the way to, to for Russell or his camp or whoever put the story out there uh, to the Athletic or the Seattle Seahawks to say, hey, Russell's good with Sean Payton. Let's ride, as he would say. Because Sean Payton, remember that opening press conference in Denver? Remember that opening press conference? He was asked by, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was either Jordan Schultz of ESPN or some one of the media members in Denver about Russell having his own personal quarterback trainer absent of the Denver Broncos show up at the facility and work with Russ. And Sean Payton interrupted the reporter. And just as, as cool, but as, as, uh, as, as much as he can enforce it, in one single statement, he's like, yeah, we're, we're not doing that here. That's all he said. He said, I, yeah, I haven't heard of that, We're, but that's not going to happen here. Hmm. Now, I agree with Sean Payton. It's odd to have your own personal quarterback trainer at the facility. I'm fine. Listen, I'm fine with quarterbacks having trainers away from the team. That, that's fine. Um, you got to get better individually, of course. But to have him show up at the facility 
when you already have quarterbacks coaches is very, very odd, considering Russ hasn't exactly accomplished as much as some of the best quarterbacks of the league. But lay that aside. I think it's really interesting that this comes out. The Athletic article goes on to point out, Wilson placed his request to fire the coach and GM in February of 2022. Within days of his call, top team officials met and decided to pursue trading the nine-time Pro Bowlers per sources. So, basically, when Russ put this out, Seattle's like, okay, we got to move on. Because ultimately, Russ, I'm sorry, ultimately, Pete Carroll and John Schneider are like, aren't we in charge? <laughs> we can move this guy. And, you know, you hear about the stories, all the stuff that come out of Seattle. We don't even have enough time to get in today. Although, there's a story by Yahoo Sports talking about uh, this, this new story that, validates Pete Carroll's backhanded shot at Russell Wilson about not wearing a wristband. Um, it's really interesting. This says, uh, you know, you know, Russ was talking about Geno Smith wearing the, the, the wristband. And this says in the athletics reports, the same one talking about Russ wanting out of Seattle. The story chronicles the Broncos week two game against the Texans where the crowd was famously chanting down the play clock to help Nathaniel Hackett. But several team sources said that Hackett typically relayed the play calls to Wilson with 20 to 25 seconds left on the 40-play clock. And this was the case against Houston, leaving more than enough time. Those sources said Wilson sometimes struggled to repeat the calls efficiently or offered too much instruction to teammates in the huddle. So, it appears. It appears. We were bashing Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, this terrible clock management. And I'm not here to say Nathaniel Hackett was was great at the clock management thing. I've seen 12-year-olds playing Madden that are better at clock management than some NFL and college head coaches. But some of that appeared to go on Russ. Clock management wasn't an issue in Seattle. Second he steps foot in Denver, it is. Because he did not wear a wristband. I don't want to make more of a, out of a wristband than there's being made out of, but I don't know. The fact that all these stories are getting leaked now is very interesting. It also puts more pressure on Russ as it pertains to the Sean Payton aspect of it. Because now it's, okay, Russ, you want it out of Seattle. You wanted the GM and the coach fired, but you want it out of Seattle, you got traded to Denver. Okay, you got your way there. Not to mention you got, you know, the second biggest contract in the NFL as it pertains to average annual salary. Check. And then finally, you got the guy you wanted. You got Sean Payton. Check. You got the receivers. Jerry Judy still had an outstanding year considering the instability at the quarterback position in Denver. Tim Patrick comes back from injury. You still have a good offensive line coming back healthier than before. The defense is still top-notch. What you going to do? Pressure's on you, Russ. And as for Seattle, they're they're sitting pretty right now. Because reportedly, they're working on an extension with Geno Smith. We'll see what Geno gets. Uh, I'm I'm not going to speculate on on what the, the length of the contract is, guaranteed money, average annual salary, but... My guess is Geno's going to get a nice contract. They got a million draft picks from the trade with Denver. They got those starters. No offense, and I think they got that interior defensive lineman who's been good for them. 
And Seattle's sitting in a division where the Rams have their guys coming back and their coach coming back, but have literally no depth. The Cardinals are a train wreck, and I don't know. Jonathan Gannon might be the worst head coaching hire of the cycle. I'm not even kidding. And then you got the San Francisco 49ers who are stacked, are one of the most well-run losses of the league. They don't know what they are at quarterback. Is it Lance? It's not going to be Brock Purdy. He's out with the UCL injury. And by the way, I read yesterday that his his arm is, is, is they can't do the surgery because it, it's dealing with some inflammation. So who knows what his status is? is? Jimmy Garoppolo back? Do they make a move for a quarterback? Do they draft a quarterback? They have instability at the most important position. Seattle, they're back on the come up. They've got, I don't want to say franchise guy. I love Geno. I need to see him do it another year to deem him a franchise guy. But they've 100% got their quarterback. They very easily, with one of their top 10 picks, they could draft a quarterback in the top 10, develop him behind Geno Smith. They've got a really good receiving core and unbelievably improved offensive line from their last year with Russ. And that defense under Pete Carroll is back. They, they, they got to sure up stopping the run, but... Outside of that, it's you're feeling really good about yourself if you're the Seattle Seahawks. Meanwhile, Russ, all eyes are on him. There's no pressure on Sean Payton. Well, what's the pressure on Sean Payton? He resurrected Drew Brees' career. We thought Drew Brees was done. I mean, that injury is the very reason that Nick Saban is coaching at Alabama. Nick Saban wanted Drew Brees. Miami Dolphins doctors famously didn't clear him. And Saban's like, okay, if I can't get a franchise quarterback, I'm just going to go back to college. And he's done He's done okay, to say the very least. And the Dolphins haven't found a franchise quarterback since. Drew Brees goes to the Saints. Uh, again, injured shoulder. He gets Sean Payton. They win a Super Bowl. Multiple playoff appearances. Brees b- breaks all these records. And by the way, Sean Payton, and this doesn't get brought up enough, had four quarterbacks he had to use in 2021, his last year with the Saints. Drew Brees not being one of them. This was the year after he retired. He finished with a winning record and came that close to getting in the playoffs. There's no pressure on Sean Payton. I mean, you're telling me there's pressure on, on the guys in the roster? That there's, there's guys, I mean, Patrick Sertan, we know what he is as a DB. Jerry Judy's been successful with all kinds of quarterbacks. Tim Patrick, again, I like him on the outside. Offensive lines played well when they're healthy. What's you going to do? Russell's minimum now, the third best quarterback in the AFC West. I think there's a solid, I mean, obviously there's a colossal, there's a massive gap between him and Patrick Mahomes and a very, very big gap between him and Justin Herbert. But who, who the heck knows what the Raiders are going to do now that Derek Carr's gone? I mean, what... Jarrett Stidham, maybe they make a move for Aaron Rodgers. Again, I'd, I'd take Aaron over Russell, but not by much these days. Given I think Russell's going to be better, and I think Aaron's declining, but I'm telling you, this story came out for a reason, and it just goes to show you all the more, wow, what does Seattle deal with for those, whatever it was, nine years, ten years, the Russell Wilson was a Seahawk. Listen, <laughs> he had me fooled on and off the field. That man had me fooled. If I'd have known this, definitely would not have picked the Denver Broncos to be my Super Bowl champion before this past season started. Uh, not going to make that mistake again. Don't, don't, don't even worry about that. Not making that mistake again. Patrick Brown is in the comments. What's up, Patrick? 
For Russ to have his own personal office away from teammates was mind-boggling. Never in all my years of football have I heard of an elite quarterback having that much power. Yeah, and I remember the first time I heard about it, Patrick, I was I was listening to ESPN Radio. Uh, I was in my car, I was driving, and, and I heard it on ESPN. And they had, I think it was, was it Anthony Munoz they had on the show, the great Bengals tackle? And, uh, and, and they were telling him about it. Uh, uh, about this about this office, and Anthony Munoz interrupted them, like like mumbling under his breath, like this guy is an office, like he he was like as shocked as 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 everybody else was, and I, that's why I was like he has an office. <laughs> Tom Brady didn't have an office in New England. Mahomes doesn't have an office in Kansas City. Like it's man, it's wild. It, it, it's wild what's gone on in Denver and what went on in Seattle. I mean, my goodness, I, I, I always, anytime Russ got criticism for how he carried himself and whatnot, I was always one to refute that and say, no, it's just because he committed, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Now it appears as we've learned from former teammates through multiple reports, through Pete Carroll, albeit indirectly, and through some of the stuff in Denver, yeah, he's more interested in being a celebrity than he is a franchise quarterback. And that is a big problem for the Denver Broncos when they're paying him, you know, $50 million a year. They're stuck. They're in a bad place, but at least they got Sean Payton. Yeah, listen, at least they've got one of the best coaches in the NFL to sure that up, but we'll we'll see. Uh, <laughs> Patrick says, the lasting meme of 2022. Melvin Gordon looking at Russ. We won't have to hear Broncos country. Let's ride. He better not utter those words ever again. Well, I can promise you, Patrick, if they get on a little two, three-game winning streak next year, if they're able to pull that off, Let's Ride's coming back out. Whether we like it or not, Let's Ride is going to make its return. I'll tell you, though, what better not make its return is Mr. 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 Unlimited. We better not hear that again, Russell. I, I can't deal with these cringy, those Subway videos, bruh. Whew. Okay, so away from Russ. Uh, because that, that is, then it, it is, it is, I mean, it's like a freaking soap opera with this guy. Like I, the reason I talk about it so much is because I'm, I'm, I was one of the biggest Russell Wilson's fans out there. He was in that group. I always say Dak, Carr, and Lamar that rhymes are the three quarterbacks that I always, that like, I feel like are the most over-criticized guys that are so much better than people give them credit for. I used to put Russ in that group. Mm-mm. No, no longer. There's there's not a GM in football. All 32, all 32, e- e- even the bad ones, would like Lamar, Dak, and Carr for one Russell Wilson. It's like I said, man, he had me fooled on and off the field for uh, for multiple reasons. Okay, moving on to Lamar Jackson. It's a good segue there. So obviously, we've been talking about this contract situation for a good year now, about whether or not the Ravens are going to give him the money that he wants. Of course, the reports have said that he. Wants a long-term contract. Uh, not only that, obviously you understand why he wants that, but apparently he wants a fully guaranteed deal, which the only one of those in the entire NFL, and if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, but in NFL history is that of Deshaun Watson with the Cleveland Browns. And not only does Lamar want that, but he wants in excess of that. Now, now I've been one, you guys know, have, have I've ult- I, I, multiple times went to bat for Lamar Jackson in terms of, him wanting the money that he's asking for. My point is, look, the, the, the price for a quarterback is just going to keep going up. 
I said the same thing on my show for a year and a half about Dak Prescott. Like Dallas, either move on or commit long-term. And if you're going to commit long-term, do it as soon as you can because Dak's just going to get more and more expensive as time goes on. And you see now, everybody freaked out about Dak Prescott's contract. Yeah, by May or June, Dak will be like the, what, 13th highest paid quarterback? The market goes up quickly. And so if you're the Ravens, I'm starting to wonder if if they were going to pay Lamar Jackson, wouldn't they have done it already? I think they moved on. And I'm not so sure Lamar Jackson hasn't moved on. And to be honest, I think a divorce is needed for both sides. For the Ravens. Listen, they've always been a well-run organization. Bashadi's a great owner. Harbaugh, you guys, I want to know what I think about Harbaugh. I think he's a great coach. I think he needs, he's got to be better in some of these late-game situations. The Ravens blew a ton of double-digit leads last year uh, with and without Lamar. Like, they, they've got to fix that. But I think John Harbaugh is a, a fantastic head coach. They've got a phenomenal defense. Mark Andrews on offense, good offensive line. Like it, it's a really good playoff caliber football team, even in the loaded AFC. It feels they're going to have to bite the bullet a little bit. Where they're one of the few franchises that could move on from a franchise quarterback in Lamar Jackson. And they can recover in three years or so. Recover to being a Super Bowl contender? No, but get back to being a playoff team? Sure. As for Lamar Jackson, in terms of fit, I still think Baltimore's his best bet. But I get him wanting to get his money. First of all, who doesn't want to get their money? But especially, especially Lamar, the way he plays the game. Because of the fact that he's gotten injured, he's ended the last two seasons on the sideline. He's looking at this situation saying, like, if if I don't if I don't cash in, if I don't get this big contract now, will I ever get it? Will the leg injuries come back to bite him later on that he suffered? The physical style of play at the quarterback position. Lamar's saying, listen, I got cash in now. He, he almost has the mentality of a running back. I've always said, I mean, you guys know I hate the franchise tag. Uh, with running backs, though, anytime a running back holds out, I'm like, I'm on his side. I I don't care if he's a bum, I'm on his side. Because running backs get one contract. Because the shelf life of a running back, I always say in carving it up, it's the one position in the NFL that is unprotected. You can hit a running back however you want. You can do whatever you want to run it back on the field with basically no repercussions as it pertains to penalties. Every other position, even kickers and punters, different story. So Lamar, I think because of the way he plays the game, has a little bit of that type of mentality. And the Ravens understand, hey, if we give Lamar this type of contract, will we be able to put the team around him to win a championship? Because defensively, they have. Now, offensively, that's a different story. Uh, their best players, like J.K. Dobbins, is, is, who's one of the more underrated backs in the NFL, doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. He's on a rookie contract. Some of those receivers are on rookie contracts. And so... Could they bring in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins? Maybe if they pay Lamar. If Maybe if they pay Lamar. It, I'm not sure. With Lamar making a fully guaranteed contract, would they be able to bring in DeAndre Hopkins? Not to mention they've paid Roquan Smith after they traded for him from the Chicago Bears. 
So I think this is a situation where for both sides, I think splitting up makes sense. There's a lot of teams out there. Atlanta people floated out there. I think Carolina would be a great fit for Lamar Jackson. There's some teams out there that make a ton of sense that can pay Lamar, that can put him in the best position to succeed. Again, people act like he's a running quarterback exclusively. He's not. If you look at his numbers in terms of passing for the pocket, he's one of the best guys in the league. Now, he's so dynamic because of what he can do with his legs, but as time goes on, his mobility is going to wane. We've seen that with all the great quarterbacks. That's why, uh, you know, Mike, Michael Vick, for example, he was mobile at the end of his career, but he was not going to break off a 50-yard run like he did in his days in Atlanta and even at times in Philadelphia. That's why I think we're going to see with Lamar Jackson. But Lamar's, I think, I don't think he's at quite as good of a thrower as Michael Vick, but certainly good enough to win you games, win you playoff games, put you in position to win a championship. I just, I think the Ravens waited too late. And I think they're smart enough of a franchise in the front office to know if he was our guy, we probably should have paid him earlier. Now it's almost too late. And now for Lamar, I think he's viewing it from the lens of what I'm asking for. I don't think that they can, um, I don't think that they can pay me. I don't think they can give me that. Uh, and also, too, for the Ravens, don't forget this. They can franchise Lamar and trade him. And the franchise tag, again, I hate the franchise tag, but it's not the end of the world for Lamar because they can tag him, but if they trade him elsewhere, then another team can give him money, can give him a fully guaranteed deal, can give him a long-term contract. Now, there are sources, I saw Stephen A. Smith on first take this morning, say that multiple sources had told him close to Lamar Jackson, that he is not asking for a long-term deal. Now, does that change things a little bit? We'll see. We'll see how that entire situation plays out for Lamar and for the Ravens. But as it stands now, I don't see an, a scenario in which the two sides move on unless both sides make some serious, serious concessions. The Ravens got to be more willing, and Lamar may have to not necessarily lower the price as far as average annual salary, but in guaranteed money, maybe. Again, that's why owners were so mad at the Cleveland Browns for giving Deshaun Watson what they gave him. Obviously because the off-field stuff, but the fact that it was a fully guaranteed deal. I get why players would want that, especially this is football. From the player's perspective, yeah, I'm trying to get every, every dollar I can possibly get. I don't know. It, it, it's a complicated situation. It's one I don't see getting resolved anytime soon. And I think it's safe to say Lamar Jackson's played his last game as a Raven. So Atlanta's in the picture. Again, I think Carolina's a good, good fit. You pair him with Frank Reich, who's one of the better offensive coaches in the NFL with some of the weapons they got there and a great defense in a terrible division. Put Lamar in the Panthers today. They are the locks to they are locked to win the NFC South. Absolutely. Even if the Bucs get Jimmy Garoppolo, which reportedly is is, is possibly in the running. Uh, you know, you add Jimmy to the Bucks. Yeah, sure, they're a seven, eight, nine win team max. Uh, add Lamar to Carolina, especially the way they played towards the end of the year. Adding Frank Wright, that's a playoff team. That is a 100% the playoff team in the NFC. Saints can't get their act together. Atlanta is a mess. And Carolina, to my knowledge, has all the money in the world to pay Lamar Jackson. Certainly more than the Ravens do. So both sides can get their way. And again, for the Ravens, they can get a lot of assets for Lamar Jackson. And how many teams the NFL draft better than the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, not many. 
Ozzie Newsome, who was there for a long time. Uh, he, I think Lamar Jackson actually was Ozzie's final first-round pick before he retired. But uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the, the name. Is it Eric DaCosta? I think that's his name. I want to make sure I'm getting his name correct. Eric DaCosta, the GM of the Baltimore Ravens. I'm pretty sure that's their new guy. I forget his name all the time. Uh, Eric DaCosta. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's the general manager for the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, so both they they draft well as well as anybody. Again, they pull out that trade for Roquan Smith. So, and they can get some draft picks in exchange for what they lost in Roquan Smith for Lamar Jackson. Uh, are they a playoff team next year because of it? No. But this is an organization that can rebuild like that. I mean, how how many years? I know the Ravens haven't been around all that long. They've only been around since about the mid-90s. How many years have the Ravens just sucked? Not many. And that's with some pretty average quarterback play. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Let's be real, folks. Dude was an average quarterback who played amazing in the playoffs, by the way. Joe, you know who Joe Flacco is? Joe Flacco is Madison Bumgarner. Remember Madison Bumgarner? He was good. Like, he was their ace. For the Giants, but in the playoffs, dude went to a, you know, dude went to a whole new level. Turned into freaking Sandy Koufax once October rolled around. Patrick says, soon as Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert get their bags, Lamar will want a few more, a uh, few million dollars more. Ravens could have got him at the going market. Watson's guaranteed contract messed up future contracts. All right, listen, you can always count on the Browns to screw things up. You can always count on Cleveland sports to screw things up. Although I do like the Guardians because I, I I love Terry Francona because of, you know, first of all, he's a great dude. He's a great general manager, and he led my Red Sox to two World Series titles. So T Terry's always going to be my guy. He, he's the only reason that I don't hate the Cleveland Guardians. Every other team, Cavs, nah. By the way, this is a, a good time to remind everybody out there that the Cleveland Cavaliers have not beaten the Golden State Warriors in five and a half years. Okay. So, moving on to another quarterback. Again, this is the quarterback show. We'll get to Lakers-Warriors after this. But Derek Carr's on the market. He's obviously released by the Las Vegas Raiders recently. And so, he's he's going on this free agent tour, which I, listen, I couldn't be happier for the man that he's finally getting to decide where he goes. He's getting to be around organizations that genuinely want him. You know, in Vegas, before that, Oakland with the Raiders. I mean, it was nobody bought into him. Del Rio did for a little while in 2016, 2017, but especially once Gruden came in, Gruden never liked Carr from the start. He was always more critical of Carr than most coaches are of their quarterbacks. Now, is that a Gruden thing? Maybe, but it felt like he was just, he went a little overboard with some of the Carr criticism, especially after games where Carr played fine. And then you have what Carr had to deal with in 2021 with the Gruden situation, with all the stuff that happened with, with the Las Vegas Raiders and getting that team to the playoffs. I mean, they're six and seven, folks. They're dead in the water. And he leads two, I know it was minimum two, might have been three game-winning drives in those final four games to get them in the postseason. And then last year, dealing with all kinds of chaos with Josh McDaniels, who I said from the beginning was a bad head coaching hire. And the expectations that came with adding Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones wasn't what we thought he'd be, adding to that pass rush. And so there's a lot of chaos with the Raiders. Not to mention that, as I have said multiple times, in the nine years in Vegas, the highest defense, I'm sorry, the, the highest ranked defense he ever had was in the low 20s. He never had a defense inside of the top 20. Top 20, forget 10, top 20. So he's having to win shootouts every week. 
That is why the Jets makes perfect sense for both sides. I know the Jets are in the quarterback market. You know, for Lamar Jackson, for Aaron Rodgers, and for Derek Carr, they just met with him recently. Aaron, to me, makes the least sense. As I talked about yesterday's show, I let off talking about Aaron Rodgers, you know, ending his darkness retreat. But the Jets situation, I don't think makes any sense if they add Aaron Rodgers. He's an aging quarterback. He makes his contracts at the wazoo. You're not sure about his commitment. And most importantly, in my view, you're giving up a ton of assets because the, the Packers are going to ask for a lot, as they should. You're going to have to give up a lot of draft picks, maybe a starter here or there, for a guy who max will be there, what, two years? If you're lucky, three? Considering that this is a Jets organization that's on the come up, talking about the Ravens who draft well, Joe Douglas of the Jets has done an amazing job in the draft. Outstanding talent on the offensive side. They could improve the offensive line, but they they can correct that in the draft. They can correct that. They can spend money in free agency. The defense is, uh, got nothing bad to say about them at all. The Williams brothers, Sauce Gardner, I mean, they're stacked on the defensive side of the ball. Robert Sala is doing an amazing job as the head coach focusing on his specialty, which is defense. The only reason Lamar doesn't make sense is because I think the injury thing is a little bit concerning and... You'll have to give Lamar more than Aaron Rodgers and give up assets. Now, the bright side is Lamar would obviously be there longer than Aaron Rodgers because he's in his 20s. Mid-20s, if I'm not mistaken. But there's still a lot of question marks there. Carr makes the most sense because, A, if nothing else, you don't have to give up anything. A lot of money, but in terms of assets, you don't have to give up anything to get Derek Carr. Secondly, I'm serious when I say this, and guys, listen, NFL NFL quarterbacks, NFL players are unbelievably disciplined. All professional athletes are. But NFL players in particular are, are unlike anything I've ever seen. Derek Carr is one of the most driven, focused, determined guys, certainly at the quarterback position that there are. There, That's the reason that he got so emotional. Remember when he, he, he you know, we started to get teary-eyed after that Vegas Raiders loss. I think it was the, the Indianapolis Colts. And he was, he was talking about, man, it sucks when you put everything you have into this and you just keep getting the same result every week. And that felt as, as Derek Carr's way to say, man, I, I am, I'm watching film. I'm working out. I'm practicing. I, I'm working with the guys in the offseason after practice. And y'all sorry behinds are not bought in. He's looking for an organization that is. The Jets, as of late, seem to be that. They just have a massive gap at the most important position, and that is obviously quarterback. So you pair him with a young receiving core that's headlined by Garrett Wilson. You give him Brees Hall. You finally give him. Now, he had a running game last year with Josh Jacobs. That was the only time he had a solid, consistent running game. And they had to go away from the running game because they were trailing all the time. So Josh Jacobs was as valuable as you would hope because you weren't often playing with the lead. You would be now with Brees Hall with hopefully, hopefully an improved offensive line because you have an amazing defense. Takes the ball away, gets to the quarterback, is outstanding in the red zone. By the way, you're in a division where a lot of outside of Buffalo, obviously, who has Josh Allen, a lot of quarterback concern and instability. New England's got Mac Jones. You heard me talk about Mac Jones yesterday. You've heard me talk about Mac Jones for two years in the show. Never been high on him. I, I have he's yet to give me a reason to be high on him. And then the Dolphins with Tua, same thing. I think Tua is absolutely better than Mac. I'd take Tua in a heartbeat over Mac Jones. But 
There's a lot of holes there. And this is like the second or third straight offseason. Dolphins tell you, again, actions speak louder than words. Talking about Russell Wilson. Same with the Dolphins. They tell you every year, we're in on Tua. Well, I've yet to see you go into an offseason not flirting with other quarterbacks who are on other teams. They're not even free agents. They're, they're, I mean, it's that's essentially tampering. I don't have an issue with tampering, but that's that's kind of breaking the tampering laws of the NFL. So, fit-wise, makes all the sense in the world. Now, he stays in the AFC, so you do have that aspect to it, but give him the adequate weapons, and you finally, for literally the first time in his career, give him an elite defense. He's, he's never had an average defense. Now he's got one of the best in the league. Now he's got a top-five-level defense that's young. You've got cap space. You can go make some moves for some guys. Hey, who's to say they don't go out and get a DeAndre Hopkins? Who's to say? Who's to say? So, I'm telling you, if I'm the Jets, I am zeroed in on Derek Carr. Again, I don't have to give up anything to get him. I do for Lamar Jackson, assuming he gets franchise tagged. I definitely, definitely do for Aaron Rodgers. This, to me, makes easily the most sense. And I promise you, I promise you, when this move is made, because Derek Carr's got a lot of haters out there. You're going to hear a lot of people. You may hear some Jets fans talk about, man, we had a chance to go get Aaron Rodgers, a four-time MVP. We settled for Derek Carr. I'm telling you, Jets fans, I know two of them. Alfred, shout out to Alfred. And, and John John, shout out to John John. All of Jets fans, you're going to love this guy. I promise you, commitment, consistency, talent, productivity, and you give him help. You've got the adequate pieces in place. Do I think Derek Carr lifts the Jets to a championship contender? Not yet. Again, there are still holes in the roster, and they are still a very, very young team. But a year from now, spend some money in free agency. Some these draft picks continue to get better. We're sitting here talking about, hey, Buffalo Bills better watch out for the New York Jets in that AFC East. And teams like, dare I say, the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, watch out. Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, Derek Carr came that close to beating Joe Burrow in a playoff game, came within 10 yards of, uh, of tying the game and sent it to overtime in Cincinnati with the Raiders. Give them those pieces with the Jets. The Jets, who, by the way, have given Cincinnati some trouble the last two years with Zach Wilson or and or Joe Flacco, whoever their quarterbacks have been in those games. Mike White, that one game in 2021. I'm sorry. I, I don't... I think this is so obvious that I, I'm surprised that people are even making a big deal about this. Um, now, I did say... I, I did see... Listen, I'm all about recruiting. You go to whatever links you need to to bring a guy... To, 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 to your franchise. But when I heard Diana Rossini on ESPN say that the Jets told Derek Carr, you will be a first ballot Hall of Famer when you sign with us. Like, that's a bit much. That's pushing a little bit. That's I love Derek Carr. I, I think he has a chance, a chance. He's not now, definitely not now, but a chance to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, first ballot, that's reserved for the all-time, all-time, all-time guys. Like, guys that I... 100% see today as future first ballot Hall of Famers. Obviously, Brady, who just retired. Uh, Aaron Rodgers going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
Um, Patrick Mahomes today is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, given his resume, I said, you know, last week, I think he's the fourth greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, that's about where the list ends. I, I, I see Josh Allen have a first ballot Hall of Fame type career, but it's still too early to say that now. It's going to be interesting. Patrick says, Derek Carr to the Jets makes more sense than Aaron Rodgers. They'll at least have a proven leader who galvanized the locker room. Plus, he's good with the media as well. He's Yeah, he's great with the media. And you got to be. In New York, it's, you know, it's, it, it's a cutthroat media, just like it is in Boston, just like it is in Los Angeles. So, and just like it is in Philadelphia, you know, it's not easy. So, but he, he's, he's, he's a guy plenty equipped to do that. Hey, you know, he's, he's somebody who's, as you said, Patrick, that's, that's something else. I, I didn't mention that. The leadership, off the charts, off the charts. It, it, you don't, you need no more evidence than the 2021 season when the Raiders dealt with all the crap. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. And he steadied the ship, calm, cool, collected, and got the job done, got that team to the playoffs, which... <laughs> They had no business in the fact that they beat the Chargers that last game. Now, some of that, some of that was Brandon Staley, you know, helping the Raiders out a little bit, giving a little little stimulus package. But we got to give Carson credit as well. He played. I remember that game. He played excellent against Justin Herbert. Really, I don't want to say outdueled Justin Herbert because Herbert converted. If you remember all those fourth downs, but went toe to toe with one of the dare we say the five or six, seven best guys in the league. You, get, you, you know, I think Derek Carr's a top 10 quarterback. Absolutely. Moving on to the NBA, only NBA topic of the day. The stretch run, not the second half. It drives me crazy. I hear people saying that. I'm like, how is, how is 23 half of 58? Okay. 58 games average more or less have been played by all the teams. You got 23 games, 24 games to go uh, in the NBA season, regular season. That is before the play in tournament and then the playoffs. But you had multiple games last night. That that Grizzlies Sixers game was highly entertaining. Uh, Embiid had that 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 might be the block of the year thus far. The Embiid block on John Moran that was freakish. And of course the Grizzlies, you know, as as my man Grady, he, he's not in the comments today, but as he would as he would say about the Grizzlies, he'd say what, what Tom Petty said: "They're free, free falling. They're coming down." Just continue to come down, and I love to see it. You, you have to love to see it. They had three shots at the end of the game to tie with the three, and clanked them. I mean, clanked them. I think I think it was Desmond Bain who shot the first two, and then Jaron Jackson, the corner, shot a desperation three. Oh, I love it. A Memphis loss is a happy day for me. Uh, but the nightcap, at least on national television on TNT last night, was the Golden State Warriors, the defending NBA champions, in case you forgot. And the Los Angeles Lakers, who dismantled them pretty much start to finish, especially in the second half in the third quarter, which typically is the Warriors' quarter, but it's tough when you don't have Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins to meet two of their top three best players. And the Lakers won the game by a final score of 124 to 111. Now, I'll get to Golden State in just a sec because I got a few takeaways. They are my team after all. But for the Lakers, there's two major takeaways from this game. That, are third, that I thought are very, very important. So they're sitting there, obviously, as the... I'm pretty sure they're still the 13th seed, but obviously they're climbing. The West is so jammed right now. 
the I mean, the gap between, for context, the gap between the sixth seed and the 13th seed in the East is eight and a half games. I'm sorry, eight games between the Orlando Magic and the New York Knicks. In the Western Conference, the gap between the sixth seed and the 13th seed is three and a half games. That's how tight it is right now in the Western Conference. It's the wild, wild west for a reason. But the Lakers still sitting there as the 13th seed. However, they're only a game and a half back of the play-in tournament. Here's what I thought watching that game last night. I don't watch a ton of Lakers games. I certainly do when they're on national TV. Uh, and if they're playing like a star player like Giannis or something or Luke, I got to tune in. Uh, and certainly I watched since they were playing my Warriors. Number one, credit to Rob Palenka. He's in the executive of the year discussion. And I never, ever thought I'd be saying that. But the moves that the Lakers have made now, it's one game. It is one game. Well, really two games if you think about that one against the Pelicans before the All-Star break. In terms of fit, this works, I mean, picture perfect with what you want to surround LeBron James with. Malik Beasley, who had a big night. Yeah, I mean, you discount the fact that Malik Beasley scored 25 points last night with 7 of 11 from 3 and was just outstanding the offensive end. He was everywhere on the defensive end with hustle plays, even the offensive glass, staying with loose balls, giving the Lakers extra possessions. Uh, he he was great. I, I liked what I saw from Jarrett Vanderbilt, who I was hoping my Warriors would, would, would find a way to require from, from the Minnesota Timberwolves. They weren't able to do that. Um, D'Angelo Russell went out in the game early, but... LeBron James and Anthony Davis, ladies and gentlemen. They scored a combined 25 points from the field. I mean, LeBron was bad from the field. He was 5 for 20, 2 for 6 from 3. AD took five shots last night. And the Lakers won by double digits. Now, I'll, I'll be a, over a banged-up Warriors team. but And you see some of those guys come off the bench. Mo Bamba looked good shooting threes. He airballed that first one, but he hit, he hit that one after that. You guys, I'm looking down the list. Uh, that Troy Brown Jr. was good. Uh, Dennis Schroeder was fine off the bench, gave you 13 points. Uh, I, I thought, uh, what's his name? Austin Reeves was everywhere. Forget the fact that he was perfect from the field. He was ever on, on the defensive glass, played good, uh, play good individual defense. This Lakers team, now they're not a championship contender. I said that yesterday's show. They are not a championship contender. Uh, I, I, I cannot see this team winning four straight rounds. I, I can't. Four straight seven-game series. However, healthy, they're a lot to make the playoffs. They'll, they will, I'm comfortable in saying they'll need the play-in tournament to do that. Being that they're a game and a half out of that last spot, the 10 seed, but they're getting in the playoffs. Because up until this point, up until these trades, it was LeBron, in year 20 by the way, be Superman, and maybe we'll have a chance. And we're going to surround you with some, some pretty horrible shooters. Namely, Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly. Now, he's got shooters galore. He's got wing defenders galore. If Anthony Davis goes to the bench, no harm, no foul. You bring in Mo Bamba, who's a great room protector. So, hats off. And I said I said the day after, Rob Palenka made these trades. Great job. Good good for Rob Palenka. I mean, he, he's caught a lot of flack for the round, around the... The, the league, particularly from Lakers fans, but even from those outside of Laker Nation like myself, 
who was who's just bashing Rob Plinkett for the moves he made in the offseason, or really the last two offseasons, he hit it out of the park at the trade deadline. And again, D'Angelo Russell didn't play, but a few minutes of the first quarter before he rolled his ankle and had to leave. Uh, now, he's a streaky shooter. He's, he's that one guy in the trade that I'm a little skeptical about. But LeBron was 5 for 20. LeBron did not play well last night. Anthony Davis took five shots. Five shots, and they won by double digits. And the game was never in question in the second half. We see teams all the time beat up, going on the road, big national TV game, and they steal it. This was a good win for the Lakers. The second reason, and this sort of connects with, with what I'm saying about some of the trades that were made, but it is what it is. Uh, where are all y'all Westbrook fans at? Where y'all at? All you people, and he's making his debut tonight with the Clippers, by the way. And I wish him the very best. Again, I, I, I keep telling you guys, I like Russ as a person. Matter of fact, I love Russ as a person. I think he's an amazing human being, good father, good husband, amazing philanthropist. I've got not a single bad word to say about Russell Westbrook off the court. He is a model citizen, is a great example for what NBA players should strive to be off the court. No question. On the court, his game drives me crazy. And forget what I think. <laughs> Watch the impact it has on winning. It's never had an impact on winning. They're 2-0 with LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the lineup without Westbrook with these new pieces. It's two-game sample size. There's a long way to go. But this is a team that they're trying to catch, Golden State. By the way, the Lakers' schedule is very interesting. They play only Western Conference opponents in the next six games. All of them are above the Lakers in the standings. The Grizzlies, I'm sorry, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, the Thunder, the Timberwolves, the Warriors, and the Grizzlies again. So they've got an amazing opportunity in front of them to catch some teams, to hold some teams back. So that's my two takeaways from Los Angeles. Uh, Westbrook, the ultimate addition by subtraction guy in the NBA, as is being evidenced yet again. <laughs> Everywhere he leaves. Instantly gets better as we are seeing once again with the Los Angeles Lakers. I know I sound like a broken record, but I've been saying this for years. And it's once again showing itself again. And as for the moves they made, as for, again, just nothing but depth. Long guys who can shoot threes, who can defend three out of the five possession, positions on the floor. Some cases, four of the five. Great job by Rob Palenka and... For LeBron James, now he doesn't have to be Superman every night. Now he, now he doesn't have to score 35, 40 points just for the Lakers to have a prayer's chance. Now I still have questions about Anthony Davis and his aggressiveness and how committed he is to this new experiment with the Lakers that is obviously thus far working to perfection. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We'll see. We'll see. But we're going to get to see the Lakers against Luka and Kyrie and the Mavs. Is this tomorrow or Sunday? Sunday. It's a national tele nationally televised game as well, too, uh, on ABC in the afternoon. And then they travel 
Uh, to Memphis to take on the Grizzlies. It's one of the rare times out of the year that I'll be pulling for the Lakers. They've got some big games ahead of them. Get some good teams. We'll see if this continues to materialize. But thus far, you can't deny what you're seeing in the court. It looks really good. As for my Golden State Warriors, again, I'm not going to make it too much out of one loss. You don't have your best player. You don't have either your second or third best player, Andrew Wiggins, who, again, best, best wishes to Andrew Wiggins. He's reportedly away from the team due to a family matter. Obviously, we're not aware of what's going on, but prayers to Andrew and his family and everybody involved uh, and, and hope that hope hope that everything is, is, is able to work out because, you know, you wish the very best for, for him and everybody involved. The Golden State has a defense problem. Safe to say. That will improve with the eventual return of Andrew Wiggins. Steph Curry is certainly a better defender than Jordan Poole, and I've, I've always said Steph is nowhere near an elite defender. He's a very good defender for his size, for his position. He's, I mean, you look at the mo- most small guards in the NBA that are scorers, like Steph's in the upper echelon. Does that make him a great defender? Absolutely not. I mean, I, I'm going at Steph before and going at Wiggins and Draymond and Clay, And definitely before I'm going to Looney. By the way, can I say this about Kevon Looney? His, his activity on the boards is inspiring. It is truly, you know, Flight says, look at Curry, man, so inspirational. I'm going to coin, look at Looney, man, so inspirational on the boards. I mean, the activity, staying with the offensive rebounds. Uh, and he's 6'9", and he's not that long either. I mean, he's not a guy who's 7'2", just grabbing rebounds off guys' heads, off missed shots. I mean, he's having to work for these. And not to mention, Kevon Looney has not missed a game since the 2020 through 22 uh, through 21 season. He hasn't missed a game in two years. So he's Iron Man, and his production is is undeniable on the court. And so Steph's going to be back in about a week. He's going to be reevaluated. Should be back week, week and a half for, for the Warriors. Just survive by then if you're Golden State. You've got the Rockets tonight. They'll beat Houston. You've got the Timberwolves. Uh, to see if you can come away with that one. you got Portland. You've beaten them once earlier this season without Steph. So... All these variables come into play for different reasons, obviously. I'm not worried at all whatsoever about Golden State. Um, well, well, what reason do I have to? I'm seeing some of these media pundits r- referencing the punch from training camp. So I have to hear about this again. Okay. Are Draymond and Poole still working through their issues? Yes, because I heard Draymond say this a month ago on Stephen A. Smith's podcast. But do I think something that happened in September is still impacting the team today? I'm sorry. This team has won too much over the last eight years. I mean, they've already been through another Draymond incident in 2018. Remember when he got in Kevin Durant's face on the sideline? End of the game against Clippers. Tie game. Not going to describe the situation. Point is, KD didn't get the ball. He should have gotten the ball. Draymond didn't pass the ball. He fumbled. They didn't get a shot off. And they ended up losing the game to the Clippers. And in the locker room after the game, uh, Draymond was just all over Kevin Durant, calling him uh, the B word multiple times. We we don't need you. We won without you. Leave was his exact con- uh, quote to Kevin Durant. Yeah, they made the finals that year, and most people agree they would have won if they were healthy. I say without KD, they'd have won the finals if Clay was healthy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Golden State doesn't have to worry about the Clippers. They don't have to worry about the Grizzlies. They don't have to worry about uh, the Kings. Suns, Nuggets, different story. Like those, those to me are the teams for Golden State. Like, okay, those are going to be battles. You, you, you are going, you, you, you're going to a tough situation, tough seven game series with those two teams. Everybody else, I think Golden State beats them all in six. I'm not even kidding. Once Steph gets back, they'll sure up the defense. The games will get bigger, especially come mid to late March. They'll get in a roll, go into the playoffs. Will they have to be in the playing tournament? We'll see. If they need the playing tournament, they need the playing tournament, but they'll get in. And uh, I'm still very comfortable in saying they will get to the NBA Finals. I'm, I'm, I'm still holding to it. I'm still holding to it. Y'all think I'm crazy? That's fine. That's fine. But I did say they, I did say we win the championship last year. And there were some down moments last year, particularly in March. But three months later, who was holding the trophy? Uh, real quick, let's get some comments here. Uh, interesting question by Grady Edwards. What's up, Grady, by the way? If the Lakers started with this roster opening day, could they have won the West? That's an interesting question. I'll tell you this, Grady, it hinged on one man, and that's Anthony Davis, because I know what I'm getting from LeBron James. Nights like last night where he's where he shoots 25% for the field, those, those are obviously very uncommon. Your role players are role players. You know, Shaquille O'Neal always refers to role players as the others. Got to get the others involved. The others have got to make a, a big contribution in order for you to win at the highest level. But fit, consistency, yeah. Yeah, this feels like a team that might have been a top four seed in the West and absolutely a threat to win the Western Conference. It would have came down to Anthony Davis. Uh, But I will say, though, the Lakers, I again, I, I keep saying, I think they're going to get in the playoffs. I'm very confident in saying that. And you don't want to face L.A. If you're the Grizzlies, who have really struggled against the Lakers this season, if you're the Nuggets even, that you don't want that to be a first-round matchup. Just like, you, I mean, the worst-case scenario is if you're a high seed and Golden State is your first-round matchup. Like, you got to be kidding me. We, we've won all of these games, and we have to start with Steph Curry and the defending champs. But second to that is, you gotta be kidding me. We're a high seed, and we gotta start with LeBron James in the first round. Are you are you kidding me? Like that's demoralizing. But listen, the Boston Celtics started with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving last year and swept them. Now that's a different dynamic. That that team was was never going to win a championship. But yeah, those are the those are the worst possible. That is the what you'd rather get the three seed and not have to face either of those teams in the first round. Uh, you'd rather have to deal with a uh, Sacramento or or somebody like that or the Clippers. Patrick says. LBJ and AD combined for 25 points. Lakers still win by 13 points. Yeah, that's, that's like I said, very impressive win. Grady asked, what went wrong with James Wiseman on Golden State? I'd say number one, Grady, at the top of the list was injuries. He got hurt with about a month left in his rookie season. And he, if you look at his rookie highlights, I remember watching that season. Kids showed promise. And I loved him, loved him coming out of Memphis. And I was thrilled when the Warriors took him in 2020. But he got hurt at the end of his rookie campaign, missed his entire second year with the Warriors winning the championship. And it just feels like he's he struggled to kind of insert himself into the lineup. 
He was never able to get the minutes that he really needed to to develop because he wasn't ready to contribute to a team that's in win-now mode. And so now that he's in Detroit, he's in the perfect spot. Detroit's got a lot of young players, and James is going to get all the minutes he needs. Right, He's, he's going to get 20, 25 minutes a game minimum, get an opportunity to be effective in the offensive and certainly on the defensive side of the floor. I still believe he has a chance to develop into a really good NBA player. I'm wishing nothing but the best for him. It's just the timeline. His timeline for development did not line up with Golden State's timeline, which was, okay, that's great. You need to develop, and we hope you develop in Detroit, but we're about winning now because this championship window, it's not going to be open a whole lot longer with our stars getting older, and we can't wait for one guy to develop and still, you know, still field a, a, a contending roster from night to night. Grady says, Lakers ceiling is a series win and a hard-fought semifinals exit. I'd agree with that. I, I'd agree with that. And again, it depends on who they match up with. Uh, I, I said it yesterday, to me, the three best teams, the three the three teams I'm most confident in that will win the Western Conference of the, you know, if any of these three teams are in the, in the NBA Finals, I'm not shocked in the slightest. The Nuggets, the Suns, and the Warriors. If they're able to avoid one of those teams the first round, which seems pretty unlikely if, if they're the eight seed because they probably face the Nuggets. Uh, I would pick Denver to win that series, but probably in seven games. And yeah, semifinals feels about right because I don't trust the Clippers. I Sacramento. By the way, can we can we just stop? Can we just stop and give the head coach the, the coach of the year to Mike Brown? Shout out to Mike Brown. I mean, come on, assistant for the Warriors with the, for years. I, Mike Brown took over in 2017, albeit he had the greatest team of all time coaching. That helps. But when Steve Kerr missed multiple series with his back injuries and and Mike Brown came in and went undefeated, did not lose a single playoff game as a coach, again, I get it. He had the greatest teammate. He had Durant, Steph, Thompson, Draymond, Iguodala, Livingston, a great bench. I mean, that's, you know, it helps. But no, I, I, I knew it was a good hire for the Kings. I did not see it working this well. So let's, Mike Brown's coach of the year. For, I mean, forget about it. He's got talent, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Demonis Sabonis, but they were not supposed to be this good this year, and yet they are. So it's a credit to him. But, yeah, he's, he's doing a great job. Grady says, Lakers seal uh, – no, I'm sorry, I already did that one. Patrick says, you can feel the energy in the crypt. Everyone was on the same page. It was a sigh of relief uh, to, to say the most. Absolutely. Grace says, if this was LeBron in 2018, even LeBron 2020, he could drag this team to the NBA Finals and maybe win it. I agree. I mean, look, is he declining in terms of his ability, as I've said numerous times, to carry a team? Yes. But he's still really good. Patrick, game of the night was Indy versus Boston. What a very entertaining game. Absolutely. Uh, that game went to overtime. Uh, I think it was 142-138 was the final score. Listen, the Pacers are a nice little team. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, a worthy all-star. Uh, I was, man, I remember ripping the Kings for trading Halliburton because I'm like, this guy's a steal of the 2020 draft. Why are you letting him go? Well, the trades seem to work out for both teams. Halliburton is flourishing as I knew he would in Indiana. And the Kings are, I mean, just the three seed. Who, who saw that coming? Patrick, if the Westbrook signing backfires, it'll, pull, uh, it'll fall on PG-13. There's a reason Kawhi didn't return Russ's call in July of 2019. As a Lakers fan, let the blooper reel begin. And I was thinking about that too, Patrick. I'm glad you made that point about Kawhi 
because that report came out. I don't remember when it was, maybe a year, two years after Kawhi initially joined the Clippers. I remember that was that long week. Where's Kawhi going to go? Where's he going to go? And it felt like for a while, like, oh, crap, he's going to go to the Lakers. It's going to be LeBron, AD, and, and Kawhi Leonard. I think Magic Johnson might have messed that up a little bit by making it so public how Kawhi, how how interested Kawhi was in coming to L.A. And Kawhi's, you know, obviously very quiet, private guy. is like, okay, this guy's going to say everything that's going on. I can't trust him. I can trust Jerry West. I can trust uh, Doc Rivers. I can trust, uh, what's the owner's name? I forget it. Uh, Steve Ballmer. Probably can't trust the pe- people in LA to keep things quiet when I want them to be quiet. So, but there was that long wait. And we're like, okay, who's Kawhi going to team up with? If he leaves the Raptors, who's he going to team up with? You know, people are floating Kawhi KD, which would have been lethal. Kawhi Kyrie, maybe. Yeah. Kawhi and and uh, Jimmy Butler was one that was floated out there. Kawhi and Paul George was never one of the cards. Because Paul George was still in the Oklahoma City Thunder. And reportedly, Russell Westbrook wanted to team up with Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi didn't want, want to. And now they're teammates with the guy that Kawhi did want to team up with, Paul George. So it's a very interesting dynamic. But I agree, Patrick. Some blame would definitely fall on PG if, if that were the case. Grady says, <laughs> Mike, Mike, Brown, Mike Brown is no Luke Walton. JK, well, listen, I, I'm serious. Mike, Mike Brown is no Luke Walton. He's way better. He's doing a great job. Uh, and Patrick says, as our grid teammate would say, uh, Barry Grant Jr., our grid teammate Barry Grant Jr. would say, nobody cares about NBA Siberia. That's a reference to Sacramento. Yeah, that, that's that's a very appropriate that's a very appropriate nickname for for the Kings. Absolutely. Oh, here's an interesting one. Patrick asks your thoughts on Quinn Snyder being named the Hawks head coach. Uh, I I like it. I think Quinn Snyder is one of the better coaches in the NBA. I, I didn't love uh, Nate McMillan losing his job. I think Nate's a solid coach. I, I think Quinn Snyder's a little bit better. I think he did an amazing job in Utah developing all that young talent. I, I think Utah had a ceiling when he was there in terms of what they had. They had Donovan Mitchell, but they also had Rudy Gobert. And they also had some holes in their roster that they the front office just wasn't able to fill. Some of that is, look, free agents are, it's Salt Lake City's beautiful, but free agents aren't coming to Salt Lake City for their, for their going to L.A. or or Boston or Miami or, or Golden State or Dallas or these teams. So, that played into it as well. Atlanta's a big market. I love, I mean, I love Trey Young. I was high on him out of the draft out of Oklahoma in 2018. But this falls on him. The stuff that's gone on with the Hawks, all the, 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 the turmoil and the chaos, it's on the star. There seem to be some maturity issues. And look, he's still young. He still has an opportunity to, to grow and improve off those. And who are we to not give him the space to do so? But reportedly, he had a lot of issues with Nate McMillan, and nobody has the issues with Nate McMillan. So I, I, I don't know. I thought it was this comes back to Trey Young to me. And listen, Atlanta's not going to go very far in the playoffs. They'll they'll be a play-in team. We'll see if they get in the postseason for the second uh, year in a row out of the play-in tournament. But this is definitely a, a a far cry from the team that made the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago with Nate McMillan as the head coach. I think some of it, you know, is look, is it Trey? Look, yeah, he understands the the stardom that's come his way. Shoe deal with, I think Adidas, right? He's, he's the jersey sells, and he's getting paid what he's getting paid. Maybe, he's, maybe it starts getting to his head a little bit. It was like, hey, I'm the face of the franchise here in Atlanta. Can't nobody tell me anything, and that included Nate McMillan. And once he did try to hold Trey accountable, it became a problem. So, 
hopefully Trey learns from this. I hate that Nate lost his job. I think he's a really good coach, especially on the defensive side of the floor, which that that told you a lot about where the Hawks were internally. The fact that they have a great defensive coach who was a great defensive player, by the way, and they're horrible, horrible on defense. Part of that's because they have two defensive liabilities in Trey Young and in DeJounte Murray. But gosh, it, it was not not good stuff happening in uh, in Atlanta. And the, the, you know they they've got some work to do. Quinn Snyder's got Qu- Quinn Snyder's got his work cut out for him. Not as it's a talented team. It's a good team. It's a playoff level team. But as far as fixing the, some of the stuff that's going on in the inside, because I think there's more going on than, than what we're being or being led to. Grady, I'd love it if the Knicks traded for Trey Young. Well, as far as the Knicks getting a legitimate star, that's not to take a shot at at uh, Jalen Brunson. Who I thought should have been an All Star, but Trey Young's obviously better than Jalen Brunson. That'd be interesting because Trey is like the next NBA player to have a rivalry with the, the Knicks fans. Obviously, the most notable is Reggie Miller and Spike Lee going back and forth with one another in the in the '90s. But Trey's sort of taken on that same sort of uh, that same sort of attitude. And I love it. It's it's entertaining for New York. It's entertaining for the NBA and for the fans to watch. Um, but that'd be fun. I mean, that, 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 that'd be a fun, if you're able to team him up with Brunson, that's a heck of a backcourt. You'd obviously have to give up Julius Randle and some assets, but I still don't think any, any free agents are coming to New York city. I mean, if the goal is to build a forget championship team, but a team that can maybe win a playoff series, if you get lucky too, free agents aren't coming to, to the Knicks. I mean, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving passed on the Knicks to go to the Nets. To go to the second most popular team in the city. And all that stems from the top. It's good for an office outside of the owner, James Dolan, who we know does not care about winning basketball games. Like that's been evidence for, for a long time now. But no, I, I like the, the Quinn Snyder. I was a little bit surprised that Quinn didn't take over the San Antonio job, but I guess he's saying, hey, this is a ready-made job. I've got my, my players in place where San Antonio is just flat out tanking. They've, the Spurs, ladies and gentlemen, have lost 24 of their last 25 games. Like since the new year came in, they've won one time. Like they're they are in full on take mode, uh, and this 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 appears to prosper. To, uh, appears to be uh, Popovich's final year, and you know what a career it's been. If nothing else, the all time leader in wins by a coach in NBA history with five championships. So, yeah, hats off to the Spurs' legendary coach. And safe to say, they're a well run franchise. Uh, they're they're, they're going to get back on their feet quickly. They they're, they're a team that can rebuild quickly with some of the draft picks they have, the young players they have, but it's it's going to take a minute. Last topic of the day, we're going to shift back to the NFL. It's only appropriate to end the show with a guy. He's still my guy. I'm no longer a fan of the team, but he's still my guy, and that is Rain Dakota Prescott, Dak Prescott, as we all know and love him. And there's a report coming out, that came out, rather, from Sports Illustrated that I think is very, very interesting and eye-opening. According to Sports Illustrated, uh, do we have it here? Okay, yeah. For, uh, according to Mike Fisher of Sports Illustrated, the Dallas Cowboys are, quote, intrigued by Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. And so, obviously, C.J. Stroud is one of the highly touted quarterbacks coming out of this draft, along with Bryce Young and Will Levis. You guys know I am still very high in Hendon Hooker. Is it Tennessee bias? Yes, but listen, I, I see the, what the kid can do in terms of accuracy, mobility, and leadership. And I think his tape speaks for itself. Uh, 
we'll see where he ends up getting drafted, but definitely pulling for Hendon Hooker. Anthony Richardson, by the way, is a guy being floated out there. I am not high at all on Anthony Richardson. Uh, inaccuracy is a problem. It, the kid is a crazy athlete. And I guess the hope, he's more of a project with high upside where a team drafts him and they're thinking, hey, he could be the next Josh Allen. Because Josh Allen, when he was drafted, holy cow, the kid's athletic. He's got a big arm. The dude is not accurate and, and has some, some, some serious turnover issues and things to clean up. Well, he has over time. The turnover's not so much, especially since Dable left, but you get the idea. I, I, I'm, I don't love Anthony Richardson as a prospect. Uh, I'm really high on Levis. I like Bryce Young, but the size concerns me. And CJ Stroud, I'm not sure what to think of because the talent is there in terms of arm strength, accuracy. He's mobile enough. And by the way, he's an incredibly mature kid, great leader. The only thing that concerns me, and this is not fair to CJ Stroud at all, but the only thing that concerns me, he's an Ohio State quarterback. And how many Ohio State quarterbacks have panned out in the NFL? Justin Fields has done fine, but he's running for his life, and I'm not so sure about him as, a, as an elite, pa- elite throw from the pocket at this point. Uh, certainly, CJ's got him beat easily in that group. Cowboys would be making a big mistake if they make this move. I'll tell you why. I have said since their season came to an end against the 49ers in the divisional round, and Dak Prescott played Easily the worst playoff game of his career. It's the one out of six playoff games that Dak has played. The first out of those six where Dak was not only the biggest reason they lost, he absolutely did not play well enough for them to win the game. Like, there were plays that he made a year ago against the 49ers. Obviously, in the two playoff wins, he was great against the Seahawks, and he was on another planet against the Buccaneers. He played great against the Packers in 2016 in that playoff loss to Aaron Rodgers. He played, I thought, very well. He barely had the ball in his hands because the Rams won the time of possession battle. Played very well against the Rams in 2018. Um, but this this Niners game was, was, and I said as a Dak fan, unacceptable on his part. That being said, if you're going to move on from Dak Prescott, and obviously you would have to trade him, you better make very well sure you got your replacement because the Cowboys almost in the same sense, almost to a lesser degree are similar to the Green Bay Packers. Remember the Packers for three decades have had two guys as their franchise quarterback, that being Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, who have a combined seven league MVPs. They've done pretty well in the quarterback department. Dallas has you know, you know, no MVPs between Romo and Dak in a, in a smaller sample size. But Romo, very productive, clear franchise guy, would get you the playoffs, won a couple of playoff games. Dak has won a couple of playoff games, has gotten there numerous times, uh, and puts up just as good as numbers, if not better than Tony Romo. Guys like that aren't easy to come by. Are they top five? No, they're not top five. Romo was never a top five guy. Dak's not a top five guy. But finding franchise quarterbacks is not easy. Again, I'm not high on Kirk Cousins. How's Washington done since they let him go? Kirk's better than what they've got. You, you want you want Carson Wentz? You want Kirk Cousins? Do you want Taylor? And I like Taylor Heineke, but you want Taylor Heineke? You want Kirk Cousins? Kirk Kirk gets you the playoffs. Kirk puts up big time numbers. Now, do you trust him in the playoffs? Not a not a chance. But he at least gets you there. Alex Smith was there, but he was more of a game manager than Kirk Cousins was. So for Dallas, now you say, well, they unload Dak's contract, they trade him, they get rid of all that money, they buy into CJ Stroud as their true franchise quarterback. Here's the problem with that. Jerry Jones is the problem. That's not anything new, but 
when people are talking about, oh, because Dak got this big fat contract, now they can't put the adequate pieces around him. To which I say, uh, Rams are paying Stafford a ton of money and put the adequate pieces around him. So Dallas can do the same. But let's just put the $40 million aside. Dak Prescott's first four years from 2016 to 2019, he made on average 680K per year. Like nowhere even in the ballpark of $40 million. Name the Cowboys' big free agent pickup in that, st- in that time. There's not one. I mean, the, the, one uh, the one notable free agent pickup that comes to mind in that stretch is probably Randall Cobb, who was very productive in Dak's fourth year in 28, I'm sorry, 2019. Their biggest acquisition as a whole, trades free agency draft, was Amari Cooper, who was on his rookie deal at the time. They paid Zach Martin, they paid Tyron Smith, but that was about all they paid. Zeke was on a rookie deal. Uh, some of the other receivers, uh, I remember Terrence Williams at the time, Cole Beasley, were on uh, rookie contracts. Most of the defensive guys were on rookie contracts. Dak, Dallas had plenty of cap space, and they did not spend a penny on a big-name free agent. Who's to say they're going to do so now with C.J. Stroud? Heck, they barely did with Romo. Barely. I mean, there's not that many notable free agent pickups they have when Tony was there. There's none with Dak there. You're telling me there's going to be the case with C.J. Stroud? I think C.J. has a chance to be really good with Dallas. Mike McCarthy is a better coach to me than people give him credit for. Now he's going to be calling plays, which to me is absolutely an upgrade over Kellen Moore. You're going to have an okay, certainly an improved receiving core, you'd, you'd hope. Obviously, C.D. Lamb, we know what he is. There's no questions about him. You get an upgrade tight end with Ferguson over Schultz, who's going to leave in free agency. Uh, Ferguson's a much better fit with Dallas than Dalton Schultz is. We'll see how the running back situation is, but Tony Pollard probably comes back minimum on the franchise tag, if not in a long-term deal. And you've got, obviously, a tremendous defense led by Micah Parsons and certainly Trayvon Diggs. The offensive line played well at the second half of the season, that stretch run. Got pieces. Dallas will be a good. Dallas is a playoff team, un- unquestionably. I don't think they beat Philly for the division. I think Philly is the best team in the NFC today. And they're about to extend Jalen Hurts. CJ Stroud, Dallas could probably get to the playoffs. Certainly, you'd be more confident in a CJ Stroud than you would be a Cooper Rush. But would it put Dallas any closer? Would they have the adequate time to develop CJ Stroud before they had to pay CD Lamb? Trayvon Diggs, Micah Parsons. Remember, the kid, the left tackle they drafted last year, was really good for them. Tyler Smith, if he keeps doing what he's doing, they're going to have to pay him. They may have to pay Tony Pollard. And all of a sudden, you can't add more pieces. So I'm just telling you right now, if the Dallas Cowboys want to hitch their wagon to C.J. Stroud, which is not a negative on Stroud, it's a negative on the Cowboys. You go right ahead. But Dak Prescott has been, min- I mean, minimum, steady, and max, really good. Got any of the playoffs? Three, three out of, four out of his six healthy seasons. Has won you two playoff games. In three of his four playoff losses, has absolutely played well enough to win. 
I mean, you tell me, Cowboys. You check check the Cowboys' offensive numbers with Dak and without Dak, and get back to me on how how, how important he is. If you want to move on, make sure you're upgrading. And we're not sure CJ Stroud's an upgrade. Like him as a prospect, but I don't know what he is. We're, we're, what's great about the draft? We're all guessing. There's certain guys that come around every once in a while. Where you're like, okay, they're going to they're going to be great in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, for example. To, to me, I could, I mean, this, this is my, my opinion, but when Trevor Lawrence came out in 2021, I was like, oh, gosh, yeah, he's, he's, he's going he's gonna to crush it. Like certain other, I mean, uh, Nick Bosa a few years ago, all the draft analysts, yeah, he's, he's going to be a superstar pass rusher, and he, he has been. Most prospects aren't. Even top 10 picks aren't. I'm just saying, be very careful if you're Dallas. What do they say? Um, uh I think the, the the great Colin Cowherd has has a good saying: "Don't try to get happier than happy." Again, I don't think there's that many quarterbacks that can take the Cowboys to a Super Bowl. I think it's like Mahomes and Burrow, and that is it. May Trevor Lawrence possibly. You tell me, Josh Allen can get to the Super to Super Bowl with the Cowboys. Y'all got pissed at Dak for the turnovers. Josh Allen turns the ball over just as much as Dak. Justin Herbert, maybe. But the roster isn't in Dallas is not as good in my view as the Chargers. Now you didn't. Hey, you'd absolutely have an upgrade at head coach from from Staley to McCarthy. But I don't know. Kid hasn't won a playoff game yet. Derek Carr. I don't see him winning a Super Bowl with the Cowboys. CJ Stroud. Uh, like him, but we'll see. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Grady says, I remember Dallas almost drafted Johnny Menzel. I wish that would have happened. Yeah, that that was that was one of the greatest non-draft picks in NFL history. For those of you who don't know the story, 2014, Cowboys have what was it? The it was a it was the pick like right in the middle. Excuse me, right right in the middle of the first round. Uh they drafted uh Zach Martin as opposed to Johnny Menzel. And obviously Zach Martin is going to be Zach Martin's going to have a bust in Canton one day. He's probably still the best guard in the NFL. And Johnny Menzel was out of the league in two years. For Obviously, he wasn't very good on the field, but off the field, it was it was a disaster. Uh, Patrick says, this is one of the many topics I'll discuss on my upcoming Cowboys season interview. I'll definitely be tuned into that. And y'all be tuned into that as well, the Chaotic Sports Podcast with Patrick Brown. Great, great stuff. Grady, someone like the Jets or Raiders are going to pay Cooper Rush and and uh, uh, talk themselves into doing it. I guarantee it. No, Cooper's going to get himself a nice little contract. Like I, I, I'd be stunned if Dallas brings him back because they, they'd have to give Cooper a little bit of money to be their backup quarterback. Uh, yeah, the I mean the Jets could bring him in to back up a guy like Derek Carr possibly. Again, I think Derek's the best fit with the Jets as I talked about earlier. Uh, the Raiders, I think he'd have a chance to start for the Raiders. Over Jarrett Stidham, there'd be a quarterback battle. I would, I would take Rush over Stidham, uh, but I mean, I don't know. Do, 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 do you see the the Raiders going anywhere with Cooper Rush? Cowboys won game with with Cooper Rush, but uh, you can credit that to to Mister Parsons. You can you can credit that you can credit that man. You can credit uh the, the defense for doing the the incredible job that they did when he came in there. Patrick says, I honestly can't see this happening. It would be a franchise ending to go all in and hope it works. I cringe hearing and reading it. If it were to happen, I'd be sitting in my humble loft waiting. 
I'll be ready for all Cowboys fans to explain why CJ is just a rookie, yet will defend him more than Dak. I just want that same energy if CJ doesn't pan out. Just food for thought. And obviously, rooting like crazy for CJ Stroud to do well. If, like, if you know anything about this kid, I mean, so easy to root for. He's a great, great guy. Uh, and I, I really like him as a prospect. Make no mistake about it. It's, it's the Ohio State thing that worries me because Ohio State quarterbacks tend to not do that well in the NFL. But I, we, we, listen, we, we know it works. Some, some, of it, some of it is the star in the helmet. Uh, that's why I think Romo got criticized more than he should have. Dak has certainly gotten criticized more than he should have or, or should have. But uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the Dak criticism. You guys know what I think about that. I think it's rubbish. Because my my problem with with the criticism is if you're expecting to be a top five guy, folks, you're not going to get that. That's Dak is not a top five level talent, so stop holding to the top five standard. Well, it makes forty million, yeah, which is eighth highest in the NFL. Isn't that about where he is? Eight, nine, ten, eight, nine, tenth best quarterback in the NFL. His salary is about what he is. And by the way, this offseason, Dak's gonna be like the thirteenth highest paid quarterback. I'm sorry, Dak's better than 13th. I cannot name 12 quarterbacks that are definitively better than number four. We'll see. Grady says, I'm telling you, Bryson, Cowboys are going to give Mike McCarthy a Hall of Fame resume. Well, I mean, obviously most of his success was in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, and he has a Super Bowl ring to show for it in 2010. And he's, look, I, I... I, I was not, I didn't love the McCarthy hiring initially. I hated it two years in. I thought McCarthy did a good job last year. Not having Dak for five games, uh, dealing with the injuries the Cowboys dealt with, and they won a playoff game. Like, the Cowboys have kind of gotten better every year under Mike McCarthy. First year, they won six games. Dak missed all but five games. The, the defense was historically bad. 2021, got to the playoffs, but lost a playoff game. 2022, got to the playoffs and won a playoff game. So, I mean, theoretically, the next step would be NFC Championship game, but obviously there's been a there's been a, a very that, – that, that lid for Dallas on NFC title game appearances is just is sealed shut right now. Grady, just because he's been around for a long time, I don't think he'll be a Hall of Fame head coach, but he is a good coach. Yeah, he is. He, he's, he's a good coach. Great, would not go there. I don't think he's in the category of a McVay, an Andy Reid, a uh, – a Kyle Shanahan, I, I don't think he's in that. And Mike Tomlin, I don't think he's in that class. But he, he's a good coach. He he, he wins the games. He, he put put the right situation around him. He can win double digit games, get you the postseason year in and year out. I don't know if I necessarily see him as a Hall of Famer though. That's that's the, that's the only uh, it's the only skepticism I'd have. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Uh, real quick announcement before I get out of here. I uh, just wanted to let you guys know in advance, and I'll put this on social media, but uh, I will not be on the show for the next two weeks. Uh, my goal coming into every NFL season, ever since I started doing Carving It Up three and a half years ago, was to not miss a show during the football season. And now 2019, I, I started during October, which was uh, the first year of me doing the show, which obviously the season was a month in, so of course I wasn't going to do the whole sh uh, season that year. Last two years, some unforeseen circumstances came into play that forced me to miss time, like one of them being, you know, that COVID thing. You would not have wanted to hear my voice when I when I had uh, when I had the virus. It was it was not pretty, but you know, so, some 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 things you know happen. Things happen in your personal life that you you have to take a show off, two shows off from your podcast. This year, I was able to start to finish, not miss a show. Uh, 
I, I it's it's for, it, listen, it's for the love of the show, it's for the love of the NFL. It's for love of you guys, the 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 the, the, the viewers, the listeners, for your incredible support. I appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I'm just these next two weeks gonna take a break. I'm still gonna be putting out content. Still gonna be putting some some YouTube shorts out there, some YouTube clips, some stuff on Instagram, maybe even Twitter as well. So definitely be on the lookout for that. And uh, but yeah, just just taking a breather, exhaling a little bit, and uh, I will come back on. Let me make sure I'm getting this date right, so I don't mislead you guys. I will be back on, yes, March 13th. March 13th. So that's right around NFL free agency. March Madness will be starting very soon uh, at that point. So there'll, there'll be a ton of things happening in, in, in the world of sports. There'll be a ton of things happening in the next two weeks that, that, that you know, give me looking forward to talking about when I come back. But yeah, just exhale, take a breather, and uh, come back strong and ready to go for, uh, for, the stretch run of the NBA season for March Madness for NFL free agency. It's and by the way, baseball starts soon. So there's gonna be a lot to talk about. So not gonna be on the show for the next few weeks, but look out for some content that I'll be putting out uh, to, to fill in the time, but I'll be back live on carving it up at 6 PM Eastern, 3 PM Pacific time on Facebook live, YouTube, Twitter on March 13th. That's when I'll be back. Uh, so yeah, I'll see y'all then. By the way, be sure to like, share, comment, take two seconds out of your day, hit that big subscribe button, helps the channel grow exponentially. And very important, please subscribe to the Grid Podcast Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Network. You can find my show on there. You saw Patrick with comments. You can find the Chaotic Sports Podcast, which it sounds like we've got a new episode coming soon, so definitely look forward to that. You've got Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. You've got Barry Grant Jr., the All Even Podcast. Again, I cannot wait for a show soon. He won a bet. That's all I'm going to say. You, you have to watch his show to see what the bet is, but it is is cold blooded. It's it's going to be it's going to be unbelievable to watch. Uh, so yeah, definitely check his stuff out. Ryan stuff, uh, Alfred's uh, stuff. The Metropolitan Report is back. I love that show. He was able to bring it back. It's a Mets podcast, uh, you know, focusing on his, his his favorite team, the New York Mets, but he does also talk other baseball uh, as well. Great dude. Very, very knowledgeable. It can talk baseball as easy as anybody that I've ever met. Uh, so please check out the new episode of the Metropolitan Report, which is available now on the grid. It's outstanding. I, again, like I said yesterday, I would suggest watching it on YouTube. It's, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's a better overall experience to me watching it than listening to it because he's added so many new things to the show uh, that were not there prior. So please check out the Metropolitan Report. Uh, what else? The Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. Check out their stuff. My guys, Anth, Adam, um, and uh, Alex of the Cam Fan in Canada. They're putting out some great stuff. They're putting out some throwbacks from when they went to Minnesota when the Cowboys beat the Vikings 40-3. to Some awesome content. Check out their stuff. Listen, man, we're, we're doing great stuff here at The Grid, so definitely be sure to, 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 to check that stuff out. Uh, and I appreciate all the love in the comments. Grady Edwards says, uh, take it easy, man. And uh, and John Rivera. This is too soon, John. John, it's too soon. It's too soon. He's got, he's got the goat emoji. I, I Listen, man, I, I, I appreciate the love. I appreciate the love. I, I, I ain't the goat, though. I ain't the goat. I, listen, that's the goal. That is the that is ultimately the goal. Uh, but... Yes, I, I appreciate the compliment, though, John. I, I really, really do. And to all the, all those who support the show. I'll see you all in a t about two and a half weeks. Please be sure to take care of your physical and your mental health. Please be safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. I'm on vacation, baby. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.